Listen, I get it. I get it. You're here because you feel like something's missing. You got some talk, some longing for something more. We're gonna give you that thing. Tell us your fantasy. We'll give you the memory. Have you brought any fruits or vegetables onto the planet? Two weeks. Excuse me? Two weeks. Two weeks. See you at the party, Richter. Welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we're back finally following up on something that James has been wanting to do since, like, September. Yes. And uh, I think our our thing is to say what we're going to do and then kick it down the road in, like, three, four, five, six right. months. That's or longer. Or longer, <laughs> yeah. So, James, uh, punchy though you might be on account of recent right. travel, uh, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to be talking about what we read, what we watched. Okay, today we're talking about two movies and a short story. The short story is We Can Remember for Wholesale by Philip K. Dick. There you go. 1966. Yes. And then the 1990 film adaptation, Total Recall, and the 2012 film adaptation, Total Recall. Yes. So we have read and we have watched. Um, as usual, we kind of go full spoilers here, so we right. may hold back on the the all the spoilers for the story since it's different than either of the films, but... Probably not. So do yourself a favor and go find a copy of We right. Can Remember It For You Wholesale <laughs> and spend an hour. And We're going to tell it for you wholesale. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it does not take very long to read. Yep. And it's definitely worth it. And since one of our guiding principles here is get people to read stories that they might not have known existed, we want to encourage people to do that. So maybe we should start by just talking about the story. Now, do you want to do the overall story, or do you want to do, like, the superset, the story? The story. So, correct me if I'm wrong here. You have you have Doug, last initial Q-ish, who is dissatisfied with his life and dreams of going to Mars or of being someone more important. And in lieu of actually doing something about that, he goes to Recall, where he can get implanted memories of being a super spy on Mars. And something bad happens they find out that his memory has been wiped at some point and he's actually a different person and uh awesomeness ensues in three different forms two and a half different forms yeah <laughs> yeah two and a half yeah sounds about right nicely summarized yeah. by the way yeah and you know we feel at this point everyone has probably seen one total recall movie or the other so we're going to talk about that in right. detail Seth does want to try and hold back the spoiler for the short story yeah uh, we'll work hard to do that yeah probably not Probably. <laughs> I think we'll probably cover it anyway. Right. Okay. So now in the story, the name is Douglas Quayle. Yes. And that's one of the right. differences between the original story and the movie. And I'm not sure why you changed that. Maybe Quaid runs, rolls off the tongue a little easier. I read in IMDb trivia that they changed it because of, uh, Dan, Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle. <laughs> yeah. Cause so, the movie came out in 1990. Right. Uh, and they didn't want to associate Dan Quayle with the movie. What, what was it, potato percent. or tomato that Dan Quayle put an E on the end of? <laughs> uh, I think it was tomato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? But that's, that's an English spelling. That's awesome. Right, yeah. Um, but, you know, Dan Quayle was kind of a whipping boy for the media yeah. at some point, because they yeah. characterized yeah. him as, as less than intelligent. You know, right. I thought they changed the nail because you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he does not look like a, right. a weak, meek, quailish kind of man. Yeah, you're going to name me after a beard? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so uh, a couple differences with the with the story between the story and the 1990 film because I think probably if anybody's seen 
any of the films or read any of the stories, the likelihood right. is they've seen the, the version with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Um, in that film, he's, he's a construction worker. In the story, he's an office worker. An he's account, a white He's an accountant, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Yes. Yeah, but he, uh, he has an unhappy marriage. Right. Uh, apparently, he's wanted to go do stuff for years. His wife doesn't want to do it. There's tension. Yeah, his in wife the in the story totally sucks. Or the the novel well, short story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he comes and says, "Hey, yeah, I went, I went to Mars, and I found out I'm a secret agent." She goes, "You're acting weird, and I'm leaving you. Goodbye." Right. right. Boom. Exit yeah. stage left. Yeah, totally. that was kind of quick. And so Mr. Quayle finds out he actually was a secret agent, and he had his memory erased to protect the government from the work that he had done on Mars. Um, although he had some trinkets he brought back and right. some other things. Well, and- yeah, because there's there's the part about, you know, he goes in there to discover that he had the memory cap or whatever. And so they, they erase all knowledge that he ever went to recall. Because, yeah, he finds he finds that he has all the the Martian worms or whatever. Right. Yeah, as evidence to show that he had been there, mm-hmm. really been there, even though uh, he hadn't actually had the memory implantation yet. Right. And so he wasn't he wasn't sure if Recall had planted that stuff in his conapt or his conapt. or what. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was it the story that had the the color changing breasts? No, that, no, it was a novelization. No, that was no, it was a short story. Oh, it was. Yes. And it, what, what else do we want to say about about the story? I mean, we can talk about it if we liked it. And I liked it. It was interesting. It was very. Um, it seemed very time based. I guess relevant to the one it was written. How so? It was kind of low key, kind of. It reminded me of the same genre, kind of genre of writing we've been reading from that era, I guess. Okay. Where it wasn't flashy. It was more science fiction and drama, I guess. Mm-hmm. And kind of mind-bendy. Yeah. I found it a right? little whimsical, sort yeah. of, almost. At the ending is just sort of humorous to me. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like cut and dry or action-packed or... Right. Now, one, one thing that we should say is you know everything you need to know at the end of the story. There's no ambiguity about, wait, okay, is he still in the chair at recall right. or whatever? And so, yeah, you you get the True. whole story. Yes. And you kind of wonder what would happen next. I, I thought it was funny in the story how he thinks, oh, I was a secret agent, so I had to be able to escape from this. Oh, look, I can. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, there's no big long fight scenes or chase scenes in, no, no, yeah, yeah. in the book. Uh, short story. No, no, he kind of does it right away, and then uh, learns that he has an implant in his head, and they can talk to him telepathically. Almost, that's right. Yeah, yeah that was cool. And so he says, "Hey, you know, I, I, I understand that I shouldn't know what I know, but you know, let's try the memory wipe again, and this time we'll do it differently. We'll do it better." And yeah, right. And yeah. I like I like how they kind of gave him a second chance. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't then they they weren't going the the same route. They were actually willing to work with him and try a different route than just. Doing the same thing they did before, have it fail and kill him. <laughs> yeah, but it sort of, it makes you wonder, because both of the subsequent film adaptations, mm-hmm. um, kind of present that something like that happened, mm-hmm. where he was, where he was caught on the run and wiped. Oh, no, I think for this, you know, he had finished his mission and it was time to wipe it to protect them. Right. Right. Yeah. It reminded me of that, um, Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Clues. Where they, they find a planet and they're complete xenophobes, that planet is. And so they're going to kill everybody. And because they can't wipe Data's memory of it. And so Picard has to order him not to reveal that they actually saw that planet. Right. Um, and, and they have to try it more than once. Okay. Yeah. And it's probably fair to say, or I think it's a good time to say that, um, 
the the movies only adapt some of the core ideas from the short story. It's not very canonical. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I think we're having problems trying to summarize it and talk about it. Yeah, uh, I've spent right. a lot of time watching the movie and looking at production notes for the movie, and the short story is just thing kind of off on its own almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what the movies did was they took the beginning of the movie up until he sits down in that chair at recall right. and adapted that part of it. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, after yeah. that, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which and I thought that was a it was a it was like they took a 1990s twist on what would happen after this. Yeah, they yeah, were no longer much. civil like they were in the 1960s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know the the core concept is memory manipulation. What what are the consequences of it? What right, would happen right. if you tried to mem- to manipulate somebody's memories over the top of memories that were already manipulated? Mm-hmm. And the idea of getting sort of layers of psychosis. In yeah, there. which I thought was cool in the short story how they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Yeah. It's almost like infinite recursion at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to no recursion. One must first no recursion. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So, it was adapted into a famous Arnold Schwarzenegger film, very much of yes. 1990. Yes. Um, it is a movie of its time, in, in good and bad ways. <laughs> uh, this is one that I saw in high school, because I was in high school at the time. Um, and I, like I was telling you guys, I actually read the novelization of it after I watched the movie. Oh, cool. So, and maybe we'll talk more about that at some point. Yeah. If we have time. Yeah. Directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yes. Uh, who was with, handpicked by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, was he? Yeah. So the history on this, you know, it's, it's a more recently made movie and it's a popular movie. So there's a lot of um, buzz about it. And there's a lot of information about it out on the web. Mm-hmm. So Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of saved this movie from being lost. It was in production hell for 10 years. End up end uh, with uh, Dino De, De, De Laurentiis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wanted uh, Richard Dreyfus to star in it, who wanted Patrick Swayze huh. to star in it. And his production company went bankrupt. So Arnold, Arnold right. Schwarzenegger picked it up, sold it to another uh, production company and said, okay, here's, I'm going to give it to you for a song, but I'm going to star in it and I get executive control over who directs it, who other, the other producers are and virtually everything about it. Hmm. It was unprecedented, the amount of control that he had. Right. Wow. But given how successful it was, I don't think it was that bad. No. And so this is another thing where, um, like I was talking to your, your son the other day about changes that are made to a movie. Um, if you don't initially like them, try to figure out why they were made. And it might make you okay with them. And one early change, of course, is from Quayle being an office worker to Arnold Schwarzenegger, who does not look like an office worker. No. So, right. yeah, put a jackhammer in his hands. Yeah, exactly. And that, that <laughs> totally makes sense. And that, so that's, a, it's the kind of change that you shouldn't get upset about. But if you did, you could just sort of go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. If he's going to star in it, he has to have a reason for being that big. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think it's also important he has a, a job that's unassuming, mm-hmm. right? An accountant, you wouldn't assume would be some sort of crazy, you know, capable special agent, but also a construction worker too, right? Yeah. Construction workers have certain uh, expectations, I guess, right? Right. And generalizations well, they typically fall into. <laughs> and I'll stop there. <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of my points was that if you had a guy who looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger working in an office, it's like right. in The Incredibles, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and nobody, <laughs> nobody noticed. <laughs> um, Touche. So, yeah. So, 1990 film. I, I mean, we, we, we all give thumbs up to the story, right? Definitely read oh, yeah. it. It's worth reading. Yes. yes. So, I've now read I it like it. four times it because I read it in Selected Stories of Philip K. Dick. I think I read it in our Real Future book. I bought it on from the Nook store for like 99 cents when the remake movie came out. Mm. And then I just oh, reread nice. it. So. <laughs> 
So, yeah, definitely worth reading. Must not be memorable, though, because you were struggling to remember details about it. Ironic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure which were the real memories of the story. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I remember to go back to the short story for the 2012 remake, because there's something I remember commentary-wise about it relating to the short story. Okay. But we'll get to that. That's on you, Mr. I'm Barely Awake. Yes. To remember that. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you guys. You right. better remember this. Yeah. <laughs> So one of Verhoeven's goals was to make the movie really ambiguous so that you never know one way or the other mm-hmm. uh, when he goes to that memory center to have the memories implanted for his vacation, whether or not the story we're seeing is real or whether or not he's having a, you know, what they call a paranoid embolism, a schizoid embolism and, and having yeah. a delusion and he's trapped inside of this memory tape program. Memory tapes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that plays out in the movie in all sorts of things mm-hmm. like, uh, Melina, mm-hmm. who was his paramour on Mars, she is the face of the brunette that they chose when they are asking right. him what kind of a woman does he want in his implanted memories. Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, there were several other things. Yeah. One thing I really like about the movie is all the practical effects. Yeah. Right. Um, especially, you know, people's eyes bugging out of their heads, the blood squibs, <laughs> which are just, <laughs> we're, was it, were we watching that one with your son or no, I guess we weren't, but it's like, and this son is what blood squibs look like. <laughs> you, know, awesome. you don't get them anymore <laughs> in, in movies. They go with digital blood now and, um, doesn't look as good. I, I should mention that in uh, a bit of trivia about it, evidently the movie, the original cut of the film was going to get an X rating from the MPAA for violence, for violence. Cool. And so they had to trim several things down, including the escalator scene, which is fabulously bloody as it is. And so I'm very curious (laughs) how that would have been different. So Doug finds out he's a a secret agent and people have tried to kill him and he runs home and his wife tries to kill him and he's escaping and he tries to get on a subway and more people try and kill him. Well, the guy in front of him gets shot and he starts using him as a body shield. Yeah. (laughs) So he uses uses him as a body shield for the people that are shooting him from behind, and then they stop, and then he turns around, and the people in front of him start trying to shoot at him, and he gets shot a bunch more. I thought for sure that body was going to start falling apart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was nasty. Yeah. There was a... Uh, an anniversary DVD, I think it is, with a very small one-half-hour set of commentary and production notes. And the body count, I think, was 80 people. Wow. And that guy may have been counted more than once. He certainly got <laughs> shot <them laughs> yes. Five kills of the same body. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, you had pointed out something about the architecture of, of the apartments. Where So Quaid goes to recall. He has his, his episode where, you know, you blew my cover. Right. And right. they finally sedate him with, like, a horse tranquilizer. Narcodine. Yeah. Um, Narcodine, yeah. Like at some point, isn't it dangerous to keep administering <laughs> sedatives? He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he can it. handle it. He's yeah. a couple horses at least. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so let's let's talk though a little bit about the the whole recall portion of the movie. Um, I I liked the 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 whole interaction with when the guy's like, "Calm down, Mister Quaid. My name is not Quaid. I I love that scene, and like you can hear his neck scrunching. Right. Yes. Um, and then then he's berating his text. Because ah, it's just part of the the program. I'm afraid that's not possible because we haven't implanted it yet. Right. So yeah, it's an effective scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was shot on location in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So all the stages and the studios were built in Mexico, mm-hmm. and they used uh, Mexican architecture. And it turns out the architecture that they thought really represented the future on Mars and on Earth well was called New Brutalism, known for its strong lines and concrete faces. <laughs> awesome. 
New um, they also, the, the subway scenes were shot in a real subway that they had right. to paint uniformly gray <laughs> to oh, really? match to the look of the rest of the film. Wow. <laughs> so when we were watching it, James is like, all right, let's go back, see that fight scene again. The, that first scene oh, yeah, when, totally. when, when Harry comes up and, and accosts him and, and he takes everybody out. And so we had to go back and watch that an yeah, extra time because that was awesome. Yeah. So, and then, you know, he goes back to his apartment and grabs Lori by the shoulders and then subsequently shows that his hands are covered with blood and her shoulders, no, no blood. blood. So. The only way I can figure that happened is that either the blood is dry, but it looks shiny and wet. It pretty, yeah. Or right. they shot it across two days where, you know, they painted him and it dried mm-hmm. uh, mm. for the second day. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly what happened. They, they came in and put the blood on him. Okay. Now show that. Yeah. Still kind of a production oops, right? Yeah. A little bit. And it turns out that almost everybody in Harry's life is kind of in on this thing. So the right. the story is that Doug's. Doug's he life. crossed his boss Doug's on life. Mars. Doug's life. Doug's life. <laughs> and so his boss wipes his memory and dumps him on Earth with a wife who's a member of the Secret Service, the agency, mm-hmm. the to agency. watch him. The four effing the guys, agency, according yeah, to the Four of the guys right. that he works with are members <laughs> of the agency. And there's a whole bunch of other agency people down there just kind of on standby mm-hmm. right. in case he you know gets his memory back. Just watching him. Yep. Because he knows something. Which kind of. violates one of the evil overload rules. Do tell. The rule that says, uh, when I capture my enemy, I will not put them in a prison with access to, you know, people that might help them or tools or anything. I will right. shoot them with a oh, gun right. that I carry on my my body at all times. Yes. Yeah, but he didn't want to shoot him, right? That was the whole point. Well, that that's the twist that comes in. Right? Yeah. Right. And and we'll have to talk and try and try and untangle it and see if it actually makes sense. I think it makes sense in the 1990 version and not so much in the remake. Yeah. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. yeah. You've been um, waffling, yeah. though, because I have been, you yeah. brought it up to me, and I thought we, when, when you and I talked about it, I thought it made sense. And I went home and thought about it more. I was like, no, this doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and you were like, no, 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 I think it does. I'll tell it to you when we do this in the podcast. And so mm-hmm. now you're flip-flopping again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the, it's it's hard to cover like all the awesomeness of of the 1990 movie um, because you have Mars in play and and the right. whole which I think is cool and I like I like the the miniatures how they they use the miniature yeah um, for the colony for, for the exterior for the colony yeah. yeah 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 it looked good it was cool well, let's talk about the twist well so let's talk about uh, Doctor Edgemar comes in right to try right. to talk him down. Um, that tells him he's still in the chair at recall, that he's suffered a schizoid embolism. And I'm going to put in some audio here at some point uh, for that. Uh, that great part where he's like, <laughs> well, let's say you're telling the truth. I could pull his trigger and nothing would happen. You know? yes. and, and, and he goes on that just tremendous tirade about, you know. The walls of reality will come crashing down. One minute you'll be the savior of the rebel cause. And the next thing you know, you'll be Cohagen's bosom buddy. You'll even have fantasies about alien civilizations, as you requested. But in the end, back on Earth, you'll be lobotomized. <laughs> it's a tremendous scene. And it's that, that guy who played uh, Cole Robbie or whatever his name was from uh, Star next Trek. Gen. Yeah. Playing uh, strategy mode with data. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy's you can't awesome. see me waving my fingers in the air like they have wires attached to them, but I am. <laughs> yeah. And I love, you know, the, little, hands. the little sweat, <laughs> the little sweat trickle. Oh, and, yeah. and who was it pointed out the, uh, that it was the red pill, like in the Matrix? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah he was yeah, trying yeah. to get him to take. Um, but yeah, that's, I love that scene, uh, after he blows him away and then Sharon Stone just, just absolutely just kicks his butt, stomps yeah. his nerves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. I hate this planet. Yeah, and then so when Melina comes in to rescue him, uh, 
I remember at the time going, whoa, cool, cat fight, you know, because I'd never seen like two ladies really, really fighting like that. <laughs> and that was cool. So, yeah, and, and the, the camera shots look odd because there are these, these feet that kind of wipe across the screen. It's like, wow. Right. Wow. That, w- that was the state of martial arts photography at the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, I, I had meant to talk about um, when Quaid first meets Molina. And he's had his memory wife wiped and he starts talking about how they, they put him in a, you know, with a, with a job and the wife and, and, and like she completely fixates on, wait, wait, you're married? Right. <laughs> like, whoa, missing the point here just a little bit. But Hauser had a wife? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like it literally has nothing to do with what yeah, they're doing. That, yeah. <laughs> wow, she should not care about that at all. Women. <laughs> I. <laughs> huh? Not only did you lie and disappear for six weeks, but you had a wife too. Right. Yeah, but but the whole point was, Cohagen did this to me, and since he's your enemy, I would think you'd be able to fixate on the, he got hold of me. Of course, you'd think that would make right. them a little suspicious. A wee bit. Maybe not. We should also appreciate Benny. Yeah. Who, who is pretty awesome. I don't know the actor's name. That's pretty fantastic. But, um, I, love, I love it when uh, Quaid hands over the big thing of bills, and he's like, whoa, thanks, man, I got five kids to feed. <laughs> Take him to a dentist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just has awful teeth. Yeah, when he, yeah. he's got a bunch of gold. Other other scenes of note that we want to talk about? I mean, there's obviously see what the party we Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like it when he takes the drill and pushes it through the mole and, and kills many. Screw you! Yeah. Screw The movie you. is full of these awesome Arnold one-liners. Yeah. And Consider that a divorce. Consider that yeah. a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the drill scene was one of the scenes that was cut down for the rating. Because it, it was evidently much gorier. Wow. In the original. There was plenty of gore. He pulls the drill out and it's dripping red. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> And there were little bits of Arnst on the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lost reference. Quality. Uh, yeah. We, we decided that there should be a drinking game with Total Recall. Every time Arnold says, Ea. Yeah. Yeah. It makes Ea. <laughs> yeah, it was a horrible explanation of why, though. Of how it makes air. Yeah, yeah. yeah that the, that the Because there's a giant cold. glacier at the core of Mars, and you melt that, and it makes air. Like, What? Not yeah. to mention destabilize the planet. <laughs> well, yeah, and pressure and temperature right. are directly related. And so a planet core is just never going to be solid yeah. unless the entire planet right. is very, very cold. Yeah. I think actually Mars – I think one of the ideas in kind of modern astrophysics is that the core of Mars actually is solid now. And that's one reason it doesn't have a magnetic field. That could be. So we could do some research and put it in the show notes. Yeah. At least it's not rotating, because that's where you get the induced magnetic field. Right. right. And that's also one reason that putting an atmosphere on Mars, not going to work. Nope. So. Not much, not much to hold it there. <laughs> yeah. And so the entire Martian subplot of the mm-hmm. 1990 movie is invented for the film. And I think mm-hmm. it's, I, I do think it's a quality addition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it was, it was true to the story in that Quaid, quail dreamt of mars he he said right at the beginning of the book before i die i'll see mars and and i liked the whole alien artifacts and the alien reactor and everything and and that kohagan knows it makes you (laughs) (laughs) i I liked uh kuato's soliloquy a man is judged by his actions not his memories yes yeah i thought that was good and another shout out for the practical effects kuato is just outstanding Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's gross-looking and kind of fakey-looking, but right. in a way, I'm kind of like, well, why shouldn't it be That's gross-looking? That's kind of the point there, right? Yeah. yeah. Mut- 15- All the mutants are kind of gross-looking in the whole movie, so. Yeah. Yeah, 15 puppeteers to make that work. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I noticed for the first time watching it that 
it was an entire body thing. It wasn't just his yeah, chest. Yeah, you could, you could tell with the way he was going. Ah. Yeah, his face did not look quite like the actor. And so I think it was actually an entire puppet. That could that could be. I, I was still convinced it was just a chest pack. It could be, but mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure watching that. The, the other great practical effects, of course, are the... The exploding the- eyes and stuff <laughs> oh, yeah, of right. Cohagen. So there are several times where they get sucked outside of the dome of Mars. And, uh, and the eyes bulge. Their eyes right. bulge and their tongues bulge. It's like mm-hmm. like eight inches long right. sticking out of their mouth and gross and purple. Or even when Arnold was pulling the thing, the bug out of his nose. Yeah. Right? Oh. yeah. It, his whole face still had the whole, that, that it's, practical it's funny mask be- on. Yeah, yeah. yeah was that wasn't his face at all. Disgusting looking. Yeah. <laughs> it's ironic, though, because like the face under the fat lady mask was the least convincing effect in the entire movie to me. Yeah. Like right. that does not look like it looks like somebody took an, a quality puppet of Arnold Schwarzenegger and beat it with a sock full of paints. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and didn't it? I mean, it kind of looked oblong and and smashed right. up on one side. <laughs> kind of like the lady with three boobs. Uh yeah, that was one of the other unconvincing <laughs> false memories. Yeah. Further things. Uh, the plot made sense. And if we're going to talk about the 2012 movie and how the plot doesn't make sense, I think we need to talk about the whole plot for the 1990 movie as a comparison. Right. And I also appreciate yes, with that. the 1990 movie that it's ambiguous enough. You can kind of decide, okay, that was all a dream. Or you can decide, no, it wasn't a dream. And I think you can convince yourself one way or another. Though, it seems like there has to be a right answer, right? The dress is gold and, and white. <laughs> yeah. Or Inception, well, right? Right. Which I still haven't seen. Like you were oh, saying Susan? earlier, um, what was his name? Paul. Fair the director. I'll just call him the director. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wanted to keep it ambiguous, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, although they realize at the end that because people will identify with Arnold Schwarzenegger as an as a person, yeah, playing someone who's Quaid, is that they want this to be real, right? Right. In the end, they want him to save the planet, rescue the miners, get the girl, kill the right. villain, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They don't want to think that he's sitting there in a you know memory chair with drool coming out of his mouth being lobotomized. Right. Yeah. On the other hand, Dr. Edgemar's statement about Melina being too perfect, she's exactly you know sleazy and demure and athletic and everything. It checked all the boxes of, of, of the ego trip. Yeah. Right. He was getting every single thing that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it turns out that uh, Douglas Quaid was really Douglas Hauser, and he was working for Cohagen the whole time. And uh, they knew the only way to get him implanted into the rebellion, who were trying to make uh, Cohagen stop selling air, was to completely wipe his memory. Because as soon as one of Cohagen's agents got close before then, uh, they would detect it, because many of the rebellion people are right. psychics. Right. So they wipe his memory, implant him on Earth, and they wanted him to stay there for like a year. But he went to recall and, you know, popped his memory cap early, right. Right. regained all of his superhero spot sky spell skills, mm-hmm. uh, met Melina, actually got to Quado, and that's where he gets captured. He gets captured by Cohagen because it turns out Benny is a backstabber as well. Yes. Right? Even though he's a mutant. Even though he's a mutant. Which is a cool reveal, actually. Yes. Right. Totally. Hey, hey man, I got four kids to feed. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the fifth? I hate him. No, no, no. Yes. And then uh, Cohagen captures them. They, they kill Coato. You think that he's won, and he commits one of the classic evil overlord mistakes. He does not kill them on the spot. He says, yes, Hauser was my friend. I want him back. And by the way, he can have Melina as his you know, live-in mistress. Right. Uh, and by the way, I'm having a party tonight. Please remind him, because he won't remember all this. Yeah. And then Richter punches him in the face. And by the way, <laughs> an aside, Michael Ironside. Right. 
is it's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just embraced the insanity of that role. Yes. Which was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, but- so, so you're saying that Cohagen, not Copenhagen, <laughs> not Copenhagen. <laughs> was not an evil overlord. No, he was an evil overlord, but no, he made he one of the classic he mistakes. because he violated the evil overlord rule. Oh. They right. all make that mistake. <laughs> yeah, he didn't okay, make the mistake. Right. We'd have wor- we'd have worse stories. He even yeah. monologued, right? He told yeah. him the entire plan. Well, that's because he wa- he wasn't really an evil overlord. Okay, he was an evil dictator. <laughs> yes, I will never dick. tell the hero all of my plans, right. no matter how much he begs. Yeah. But that was the whole point, though. He was he was trying to bring bring Hauser back because they were. You got to think about it this way, though, from Hauser's perspective, he had to totally and completely trust Cohagen uh, to pull this off for him. Yeah, right. Because right. he's basically, at that point, willing to commit suicide by memory wipe. I guess mm-hmm. he had to trust Cohagen utterly and completely that he would bring him back once the mission was done. Yeah. So one thing I'll say in appreciation of the movie is I remember watching it the first time, and I've seen it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Was when Doctor Edgemar comes in, you know, it starts to work at the edges of your consciousness. You're like, whoa, okay, this could actually be true. Right. And, and then you get to the second twist when you get the second video from Hauser, you know, howdy Quaid, you know, and if you're listening to this, then Kawada was dead. dead. We've stopped the rebellion. Yeah. But that's my body back. That's my body. And I want it back. Yeah. I kept thinking to myself, if I were Quaid, I would have shot the doctor sooner to figure out if it was real or not. That would have been my test if I was him. (laughs) <laughs> you would have just I would just shot him straight Dr. Edgemar right off yep. the bat. <laughs> right off the bat. Like, oh yeah, this is fake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And without asking questions. Yes. So. But then you could have been lobotomized. Or you couldn't have. No, that's a small down. step, really. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jet lagged, lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. Same difference. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, so one problem that I have with the movie, and I mentioned it to you guys, is when when uh, Cohagen comes over and he's like, "We're going to make Melina Quaid's babe or Hauser's babe, babe you know, and yeah. make her <laughs> respectful, <laughs> just like a woman should be." And she spits at him, and like nothing, there's no spit. Oh right! I'm like I want to see, I want to see actual loogie there, and nothing, no such thing. Yeah, but we talked about why we think that makes sense. Right. You know, one is the the Martian atmosphere is very dry, and she might have been pasty mouth. <laughs> they didn't give her something to drink on the way back from the the dusty airlock, right? right? And the second thing is it was the '90s. There was a real big problem with sharing bodily fluids. True. Plus, it's not nice to spit on people. Going back to whether or not it was real or not, mm-hmm. your uh, the, the the ending I think was very kind of fairy tale as well. They're kind of kissing in the sunset, and then they go you know, pan out and the movie ends. And goes to white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's an audio cue there it's too. Very because, fairy tale. Yeah. There, there was there was a synthesizer. Yeah. Hey, nice. Um, that was playing at the end, and it played during the scene with Doctor Edgemar as well. Right. Yeah. So. And he even kind of cues it. He has a moment of doubt. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just had an awful thought. Yeah. You know, what if this is all a dream? And her response is, "Kiss me quick before you wake up." Yeah. Don't think about reality. Just kiss me. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of what his wife did the whole time. Trying to keep him under. True. Right. Are you yeah. having a nightmare? Here. Yeah, right. Let me distract you with my feminine Distracting miles. him completely, yes. <laughs> that was like her only tool. <laughs> yeah. So financially, the movie was a huge success. It had a budget of about $60 million, and it made $261 million. Nice. Uh, not adjusted wow. for today's inflation. Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> has it at 84% positive rating. Nice. And when you compare that to the other Total Recall movie, it's a pretty stark contrast. Well, we will get to that. Uh, but let's wrap up 
1990, definitely thumbs up. It, it should yep. be watched. Yes. It's, it's glorious. Definitely. And it, like I said, it, it's a very 90s movie. The tone mm-hmm. is, it's a little campy. Um, but it also, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. Oh yeah. There's it, a lot it of, it has comedy. a lot of humor. And it's Arnold in his heyday. Yeah. So it's pretty much. Stuff. It's, it's peak Arnold yeah. as well as peak Sharon Stone. Hey, let me know if you need some help with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbelina was awesome. Yes. <laughs> Though I did feel bad for the, uh, the henchman guy who got gutted by her. Well, after, after she guts him, she jumps up on the bar and they hand her a machine. Yeah, and she's like facing people. <laughs> yes. Thumbelina goes Rambo. <laughs> All right. 2012. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. So, in a world when we have remakes that we didn't want or ask for... Oh, I was thinking of interesting, because the same statistics for Total Recall in 1990 and 2012, right? So, I think you were saying that Total Recall in 2012 made the same amount of money, but not adjusting for inflation? Well, I I was wrong. I went and I looked up the exact numbers. So, the 2012 movie's budget was $125 million. Twice as much. So, twice as much. Right? Um, And we can talk about effects and cast and that kind of stuff later sure but it only took in 198 million dollars in 2012 22 years later wow uh and holds a 30 percent rating at rotten tomatoes not Excellent. overly regarded as a good movie no mm-hmm. so i don't think it was a horrible movie yeah no colin and i talked about that too bland in contrast yeah. to the original it's it's pretty bad right right well yeah. yeah but but all on its own it's a 2010 series action movie yeah yeah Right, it was just very bland. Right yeah. the well, it was of, it was pretty I mean, derivative your, too. Um, I think it was your sister said this on Facebook. It just she didn't get sucked into any of the characters of the story. Yeah, there was no wow. What the heck's the word I'm thinking of? No, no chemistry. No, no chemistry. No, no verisimilitude. You didn't. Yes. You didn't believe it. Right. So verisimilitude. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nothing to catch you. Yeah. And what I was going to say earlier about the book and the this movie. Was I remember hearing um, back in 2012 that this movie was closer to the book because there was no Mars section, right? No Mars, no going to Mars, basically. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I'm like, well, it's kind of disappointing. I thought the Mars was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think no. it's a great addition. <laughs> so we've we've talked before about what we want from a remake, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, like th- this is the remake nobody needed. I, right. I if if we just had the story and the 1990 film, I'd be like, that's a good adaptation to me where it, it takes the spirit of the mm-hmm. story and moves it in a different direction and does something fun and cool with it where with the 2012 one then i'm like well if you're not going to do a straight up remake then you should either go back and go closer to the story which colin you might be surprised to hear me argue for but <laughs> yeah. you know you should do something different and and this one it did something do a couple different. things different if they had gone closer to the short story they they would have done something or could have done something very different. Right. Yeah. When I heard that there because was going to be no Mars, I thought, okay, cool. They're going to stick a little closer right. to that story. But instead, it pretty much hits the same beats. Yeah. And I don't know how you do that and think that you're going to come out with something that an audience that has seen the original is going to enjoy. Because there's no mystery to it. Right. And and really, yeah. it removes all the ambiguity from it. Because the story does not make any sense. Right. Well, in general. <laughs> um, but specifically, I don't think it makes any sense if you tried to, to, to figure out it was it real or was it imagined, you have to come down on one side or the other. And on one side, it doesn't make any sense. And on the other, it does. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I think which whole, we can talk about the whole plot itself doesn't make any sense. Okay. Well, we can, we can, and, let, let me say, let's see if we can come up with anything good to say about it. Okay. 
Well, um, there there is there was one there was one part of it that I that I genuinely enjoyed out of that movie. Okay. And it was Recall itself. The Recall scene was cool. Yeah. I love John Cho. I thought he was yeah, really good. He was cool. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to make sure to get some of the audio because I I liked him better right. than McLean in the original. Really? Yeah. Definitely. Well, as an oily salesman, I think McLean wiped the floor with him. But well, yeah, yeah. McLean was totally like '90s oily salesman. <laughs> that's for that's sure. what I was going to say. It was of its time, yeah. and so for its time, it was yeah, of I its agree. Time. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. But but, uh, but, but I, I really like what's his name, John Cho. You said uh-huh. yeah. um, his flying buoyancy and just <laughs> the whole mm-hmm. neonness of yeah. Recall was just fantastic. I and like some all, of the all art. the uh, the way they did the effects for it. I thought were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well done, as opposed to the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I was going to talk about some of the kind of art of it. And yeah. first we should talk about one of the premises of the movie is that there's been global chemical nuclear – chemical. I was going to say global thermonuclear war. Shall we play a game? Um, <laughs> global chemical warfare has left most of the world inhabited, uninhabitable except for Britain and the colony, which is Australia. Right. Which was made by Britain. Right. And, and so in that – setting the only way to travel between them is to, to take this ride through the core of the earth right. called the fall yes uh which we can talk about how much sense that makes <laughs> but um so in the colony though you have you have this sort of cross-cultural thing where you've got a lot of chinese mm-hmm. kind of looking architecture and the recall place is very like right. opium den looking yeah um and it's kind of in that part of town and you get the egregious gratuitous <laughs> three-breasted woman in a pg-13 movie yeah. Uh, with even fakier fake breasts. Huh. Um, it, man, it, I cannot state how much that offends me that, that they put that in there. They, they could have done it in a much more PG 13 friendly way. Right. Well, to make had, some reference to it. They had with, quite a few nods that they didn't need to have. No, see, in a remake, I like to see the nods, but that was one I don't think anyone wanted or needed. They should have had, you know, uh, like a logo on the outside of the thing showing a lady with a three three breasted mm-hmm. bikini or something. Right. But to me it just felt like it was and right. mom, I hope I you're think not listening. They just tried to keep too close to the nineteen ninety movie in this one. Yeah, but Even it was, didn't have Mars, which it was half assed. That yeah. that's my problem. And right. so mom, if you're listening, sorry. Um <laughs> there's no other way to say it. It's just it's well, we right. want to put the three boobs in there, but we're gonna do it in such a way that they're fakey enough that we mm-hmm. don't get dinged by MPAA because they let them keep it. But there's a great way to do it. She, you know, she opens her jacket and you switch the shot to her back. Yeah. So you get the reaction shot. You never have to have it on screen and you leave it a mystery. Yeah. And because it's the remake, you know what's going to be there, right? right. This yeah. is a lady yeah. with three breasts, yeah. but you don't have to show it on screen. So the main problem is for me, they never introduced the concept of mutation. So right. if you're not going to introduce that there are mutants, where'd the three breasts come from? Um, well, and there's a lot of things about the remake where that happens. True. Yeah. You know, um, like the whole reason for the memory wipe. Like the whole reason for the memory that, wipe. That's the other problem. If you have Quato who can read your mind, yes, the memory wipe makes sense. But in this movie, it makes no sense whatsoever. No, right. The, the One of the nods, we were talking about positive things, and, <laughs> and we're struggling to find them. The, I have a couple others. The scenery is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The special effects, the matte painting, those are all really, really well done. Mm-hmm. I love the the uh, the scene where he's going through security. Um, right. So, so he's yeah, trying yeah. to sneak from the colony over to the United Federation of Britain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And who should show up in the security area but this large, overweight lady with long yeah. hair. Yeah. She looks like almost exactly like the same lady that's in the 1990 movie. And she so you says think, two weeks. Yeah, she says two yeah. weeks. You think that's where yeah. uh, he's hidden, and it's not. Mm-hmm. He's wearing something else. But even then, I think they spoiled it because they showed a picture of him with that face 
on mm-hmm. a passport beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't think it was blatant enough for because I remember seeing the lady and going, that's her. And it, so I thought it was an effective misdirection. And that's the right. kind of nod that I like because yeah. she said two weeks and it's the same scene effectively, but executed somewhat differently. Um, and I thought it was really cool. Um, the fight sequences are kicked up by a couple of notches too. Yeah. So like James that was, was saying, that was, yeah, the fight sequence from Recall I, was, I watched that, some of the too. behind the scenes stuff about, about the way they photographed that. They had a bunch of cameras on rails, the kind of rails they use for filming car chases. Whoa. And they had them all through there in like a circle uh-huh. or a triangle, um, rectangle. That's cool. And, and so they, and they filmed it with, with all of them. So they had to redo it and redo it and redo it. And then they had, they composited all together and pulled the cameras then out digitally. Um, wow. So it was, cool. a, it was a very cool uh. scene. Um, and, and a pretty effective one, I thought. Mm-hmm. So they learned a lot about making these computer generated special effects in 22 years. And it yeah. shows. Yeah. Um, no, no CRTs. Right. No CRTs. <laughs> um, uh, were you going to say right. anything else positive? Because I'm ready to start repeating yeah. to it. No. So, so uh, <laughs> there, there were more practical effects in the movie than you probably think there were. So like all the robots oh. were actual people in suits and they just had green screen parts in their abdomens to, to, to make those empty. Really? Oh. Yeah. So well, those were all, cool. uh, n- not all, but yeah. 90% of them were actual practical effects. Um, I did like the way they did the robots actually. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Um, they kind of reminded me of iRobot. The hand, the hand. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. They yeah did. Which I really like the robots in iRobot. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. Will Smith maybe. Yeah. In case no one the, knows what um, I'm talking about. <laughs> the hand phone thing you probably think is digital. It was a practical effect. It was an actual prosthetic that they put over their hand with an LED and then he thing yanks under it out of his hand. Yeah, and so then when he pulled it out, he was genuinely pulling <clears> it out cool. of the prosthetic. Wow! And so it's the, that kind of thing where I was watching, or yeah, watching the director's commentary, and and they didn't want to do that. They wanted to do it digitally. He's like, no, I want it practical, right? And and it makes sense because it's kind of then the way they talk on the phone is kind of like agents with an earpiece, mm-hmm. and. And I thought that was cool. And then, then all the interfaces and stuff, I thought were nicely updated and looked futury. Went, like when yeah. he put his hand on the glass, even though I'm not sure that makes sense. Yeah, it was still cool though. <laughs> yeah. And it was definitely a better update than the video phones that they had in the original, which I remember <laughs> thinking were just really cool. Right, because yeah. video phone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, Kate Beckinsale, you know, was she did a, a good job with what she was given, and she was basically Laurie plus Hauser in one. Right. Uh, Laurie plus Richter. Laurie plus Richter. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Laurie plus Richter. Richter. Yeah. There was a yeah. lot more con- uh, plot consolidation and character consolidation. And I think in trying to make it more minimal, they lost some things. Yeah. Yeah. And so you wanted to move on to, to things you didn't like. But no, if you think there's more positive things in there, bring them out, please. I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder. Today. Um, I liked that there was a, there was an ad for recall that said we can remember it for you. Which was a reference back to the story yes. name. Um, I even liked, you know, some of the whole "the fall enslaves us all." You know, it was nice and slogany. Um, there was no good one-liners in that movie. Yeah, that, the, the only <laughs> like that was one other thing. My, the, my last thing that I liked was it was John Cho and Colin Farrell, and they had this discussion about, well, but an illusion, however, however convincing, is still just an illusion. And that's right out of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, almost verbatim just turned into dialogue. Yep. And so that's, that's, I want to see that in a remake. I want to see some nods back to the original material, back to, you know, if they remade a film, I want nods back to that as well. I just didn't like the way they did the, the tri-breasted, the tri-memory problem. Yes. <laughs> the three-memory problem. Remember, you just read the three-body <laughs> three problem. Three-body problem. Yeah. Okay. And some of the fight 
sequences were, were cool as well. And like you right. said, James, it, or maybe it was you, Colin, who said it's, it's a 2000s era action movie. Yeah. yeah. And one of my proposed title titles for it was the Quaid identity because it hits so many of the same beats right. as the born identity mm-hmm. with the, with the memory loss and the bank account and the the different IDs and stuff and the skills that you shouldn't have, but do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And the femme fatale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's pretty much everything I liked about the movie. Right. I didn't I take about some, the flying cars were cool. <laughs> I did like the flying cars. Mm-hmm. I especially like they worked on, on uh, ups and downs. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Those were actually mostly practical as well. They were they were actual cars with with uh, wraparounds and stuff put on them to oh wow to execute that. So cool. Yeah. So I should say I didn't see the the extended director's cut of that right. movie, and I didn't see any of the featurettes right for the production. So of things. I I thought I had seen it in the theater with you, but I think I saw it with my brother in law, and then yeah. we watched it together. And James watched it, but watched the director's cut. Yeah. And then I watched the commentary with the director's Which cut. Which director's cut made well. The, the one scene, anyways, made no sense. Okay, well, we can get to that. If yeah. you want to lead off with that and what, sure. what you didn't um, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when Quaid was talking to himself in the, from the from his recording, right, it was Ethan Hawke. Right. And that, that was um, a major change between the theatrical and the director's right. cut. Yeah, the idea and, that they not only changed his memory, but his face. Right, they changed his face. Well, if they did that, how in the heck would is it Jessica Biel? Mm-hmm. Would have recognized Melina. him. Yeah, how would, how would Melina would have recognized him? Why did she have a Latin name? <laughs> right. So I, I had meant to, when I went back and watched the director's cut, um, I was going to put a stopwatch on every time there was a chase scene and see how much actual movie there was that wasn't chase scene. But I, oh, yeah. I lost track <laughs> about 18 minutes of chase scene in. Um, wow. but there's that beginning chase scene with, when it's just Laurie and Quaid, um, there's on the director's commentary, he was talking about how there was one set for those, for those houses that they would, They'd redress and then continue the, the chase scene. Redress it and continue the chase scene. Chase scene. So it's like, here she's jumping into her own dining room, which has been redressed now. And then she's going back out on her, on her balcony. Wow. Um, and we didn't talk about the art design and how it's reminiscent of Blade Runner. It looks Blade Runner-ish. And yeah. that, that is kind of one of the knocks against the film is that it's derivative of so many other things because it had some elements of right. iRobot. It had some elements of the Bourne identity. It had some elements of Blade Runner. Kind of looked like Total Recall. Yeah. <laughs> Shockingly, right. Th- that part I think is appropriate. <laughs> so I, I had the the collector's DVD of the 1990 Paul Verhoeven directed movie, mm-hmm. and in the production notes, which I almost never read because it's just like screen after screen of text on a TV. Yeah, there was a quote from Paul um, talking about the dangers of sci-fi, and I think it directly applies to this 2012 remake. Okay, shoot. So this is the quote. Science fiction is a dream world furnished by a toy shop. The frightening aspect comes from the danger that can occur if you allow the effects to take away energy from other crucial areas of the production. Hmm. And when you compare the amount of effect in the 2012 movie versus the 1990 movie, I think that's definitely the case. Yeah. It looks too darn pretty. Mm-hmm. Well, in that whole car chase scene, I thought some of the effects, they are not going to hold up. In 10 years, they're going to look awful mm-hmm. um, with whatever technology we have for television. It's, it's right. They they didn't quite look right to me. It, it looked computer generated to me most of the time. Mm. So the Dr. Edgemar scene in the 2012 movie, yeah. instead, Harry isn't dead because Harry didn't try to attack him earlier. Right. Right. And so they send him in. And I don't buy that whole scene. I've, I've watched it several times. I watched the uncut version in the, in the director's cut. It's nine minutes long of him trying to explain how he was chemically put in there. Um, 
And convince him that he's dreaming. Yeah. And that his wife, who's just outside, wants him to come out. Right. And that in order, instead of just taking the red pill, you need to off your lady here. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, that that was a bridge too far. You know, if they just wanted, I'm not sure what the end game was there. What is the point of that scene if you're trying to get him to get to Matthias? Yeah. So maybe we should talk about the issues we have with the plot. Mm-hmm. And oh, so, yeah, that totally wouldn't work. I'm not sure how, <laughs> I'm not sure how it works in the 1990 movie either. Did they want him out? I, it makes more sense if it was all a delusion. I think at that point in the 1990 movie, they were, they wanted to reimplant him in Earth. They wanted the year to pass, right? The original plan was let him yeah. boil it for like a year and then they right. were going to pop his memory cap and go do it their way. Okay. And then at the end of the movie, Kohagen is saying, it's amazing that it worked. I right. mean, yes, we helped him all over the place, right. but Richter was trying to kill him, and this happened, and this right, happened. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, okay, I guess. But so I'm not sure in the, in the 2012 one, one that it works at all in any way. And there's no clear no. moment. There's no, no sweat bead moment. No. The, where he decides to kill Harry, except uh, Jessica Biel sheds a tear. But his mind could be making up that tear. Yeah. Of course, his mind could be making make up the sweat. The sweat too. Bit too. Yeah. 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 So the, the idea behind the 2012 movie is that they are trying to implant an imposter, a, a double agent, into the resistance to try and find the leader and kill him. And in the process of implanting him, that double agent falls in love with Melina and goes to the other side. And then during an operation where they're supposed to find the master key to stop all of the robotic police force, they catch Quaid. Excuse me. They catch Hauser. Right. And his punishment for betraying them is to have his memory wiped and put on the other side of the planet with Kate Beckinsale as a wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he works on the ro- on the robot production line. Yeah. Which again, violates one of the evil overlord rules. When you catch your enemy, when he's really your enemy, you kill him. Yeah. And then you don't have bad remakes. See, 2012. In, in this one, I could see them just outright killing him. Yeah. There, what is- there was no reason to keep well, him alive because he, he wasn't reliably leading them anyway to the to Matthias, right? Well, the, it does establish that with the Ethan Hawke scene, and I'm not sure that I can't remember if it was in the original or not, that he had never met Matthias before the memory wipe happened. Right. right. So, so at least there was still part of the mission to accomplish. And so I guess mm. you could make the argument that the memory wipe was all part of trying to get him then re-embedded in without his memories intact – um, loyalty restored, essentially. Except that, so when you fast forward and they capture him the second time, mm-hmm. they're going to re-implant the old memories of Hauser into Quaid because they have a memory of Hauser right. from before the time they betrayed before him. turned, yeah. So why would you wipe him completely <laughs> instead of just rebooting him yeah. as, okay, you're really Hauser 0.8. Yeah. You know, before yeah, yeah. you betrayed me, let's try this again. Yeah. <laughs> One other problem, right? Uh, Cohagen, his big There's plan. Only one other? <laughs> no, I'm just going to take it up a notch. Uh, to to one one more remove of it doesn't make sense. Cohagen's idea is he's running out of space in the UFB, right? Right. He needs to expand to the colony. Right. So what does he need for that? He needs the robot army, right. and he needs a conflict. Doesn't right. he already have the conflict? He's already gearing up to invade the colony. What does he need Hauser and his mission for? He just wants to take out Matthias, but once Matthias is taken out, that's a major blow to the resistance, which is the whole argument for invading the colony. You think they should foment terrorism right. in a yes. false way and then come in destroy and destroy it? I think he had all the pretext yeah. he needed to invade the colony already. Right. And so there's no reason to make a priority of killing Matthias. I did appreciate that when Kohagen finally meets Matthias, he blows him away right away. So evil overlord thing. Um, 
You should have also blown away Quaid at that point. (laughs) Yeah. No, but my main problem, of course, is that it's the same. Yeah, you're right about the invasion thing. Yeah, I totally. Well, okay. I agree with you anyway. I'll see you're right. Well, and. and (laughs) (laughs) Don't egg him on. Don't egg him on. He just feeds his ego. How are you agreeing with me and not saying I'm right? Um. No, but then, you know, just the other general principle is just the fact that you hit the same beat as the original movie. There's no mystery to it. There's no surprise when Cohagen says, by the way, there was never any right. thing in your memory to defeat the droid army. And it's the same ending as Terminator Salvation. We, we put that out there for you Basically. to use to, yeah. to bring us to you, not you to us. Sorry if you haven't seen Terminator Salvation. You've ruined it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, it was already ruined. <laughs> it's not a great movie. Okay, so another thing that doesn't make sense. Here we go. The, the, the very end, Lori puts on the neck collar thingy, poses as Melina. Right. Waits until Quaid wakes up before making another attempt on him. If she just wanted to kill him, couldn't she just have killed him before he woke up? Evil overlord rule again, right? She, if you want your opponent dead, you kill him. You don't wait for him to wake up so you can monologue and have your revenge. Right. <laughs> right. But but he had already woken up. If she wanted to, to right. yeah, it, it's frustrating. Um, yeah, I don't get why she. Was, I, I don't understand why she was pretending to be Melina. Yeah, you're saying that, that Lori had a Melina moment. What you had a wife? <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, yeah. She wants to see him react to her and then kill him as her. I guess no, no, no. no. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> so the other part is, of course, you. It also doesn't make dollars, apparently. Right. <laughs> the made more than I do. Yeah, too <laughs> <laughs> the, the um the ambiguity of the 1990 film is completely lost in the 2012 one because, like we've been talking mm. about, we're not sure that it makes sense in any way, but it definitely doesn't make sense if he's still in that chair. Though I guess I should try and argue that. Well, no, here, let me argue it against you. It doesn't make sense, so maybe he really is in the chair. A beautifully made plot would exist in the real world. A hokey one that's inconsistent and unreal <laughs> is something you could dream through, right? It's a little psychotic. So you're saying the way to enjoy this movie the most is to go, okay, it didn't really happen. <laughs> yeah, like, I think like, we can like all this, do Star Trek movies we're talking about. I knew you were like going to go Trek in the dark. right into it. <laughs> I don't say that's what she said. I say that Star Trek movies don't exist. <laughs> all right. Yes, that was a good one. <laughs> so uh, we are not – we, we did God, talk – you played right into that. I did. I totally did. Yeah, I deserved that. We did talk about how – even though we've been we've been ripping on the movie for a solid twenty minutes, <laughs> it's not awful. You know, it's it's entertaining enough. You know, I think your your son enjoyed it, yeah, um, and found it a little confusing, which is I'm not sure a point in its favor or not. But right, you know, it's an action movie, lots of chases, lots yeah. of cool well, he, effects. He, he, and Colin put it right. It, it's a 2010 era. Yeah. It's a action movie. Yeah. It's and very it's, bland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, and it's not bad yeah. at doing that. In fact, when I asked Tim, because Tim watched uh, the 2012 movie, the 1990 movie, and read the short story, mm-hmm. um, he kind of said, well, how, you know, under, under which way do you judge it? How do you rank it? And I said, well, which did you like the least? And he goes, well, it was really hard to read the whole short story. It was slow. Okay. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, which one did you like better and why? And he goes, well, I like the 2012 movie better because of the fight scenes. Hmm. Interesting. And oh, I love the fight scenes in the ninety movie though. That's why I made you rewind it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm not recommending necessarily that nobody watch the twenty twelve version. I, I'd be curious if there's anybody right. out there who thinks that the twenty twelve version is an improvement over the nineteen ninety one. 
Uh, and I don't see. I can see a lot of people liking it for the same reason that Tim liked it. Yeah. 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 And I walked out of the theater and I went, you know, I kind of like that. And I started writing up a movie review. And as I was writing it up, (laughs) I changed my mind. I'm like, you know what? No, that didn't work. Right. So probably worth seeing. Um, I I will mention, I'm going to put in the show notes, there's a ranker.com thing of ranking where you can actually go in there and click on stuff to move it up and down of the worst of the worst movie remakes ever. Or science fiction remakes, maybe it was. Mm. And mm. in that top, in the top 30 are a number of venerable titles <laughs> that we have covered, um, including this one. Yeah. But, and Death Race and Rollerball's got to be in there, right? Dave the Rollerball is in there. Yeah, the Day of the Earth is still. still. Yeah. Oh, God. So, Ugh. so. Kind of the Apes. <laughs> yeah, it's a rare remake that we go, that was better. I mean, <laughs> the thing. That, yeah, that's, true. that's one of the only the ones. Thing was good. Yeah. I think we all liked it better right. than the book, actually. Or maybe maybe you like that. I think the, so. Yeah. Uh, we rarely no, completely I remember agree. because I like the paranoia of the book the best. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's those aspects I enjoy out of the short stories that we read from that time time uh, at that era. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I like this short story so much, is because it wasn't a sci-fi action blow stuff up in your face story. Right. That the '90s turned it into, which is perfectly fine, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it was more, you know, low key, kind of dramatic and mind bendy, mm-hmm. right at Philip Dick's Isle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I wanted to mention, I'll put. I mean, I'm not sure if I'll put it in the show notes, but if anybody out there has seen uh, Black Mirror, the BBC science fiction anthology series, there's an episode called White Bear. I have, I have. You've watched it? seen that episode though. Oh, okay. I've seen. Well, the, the it involves first. memory manipulation and ah, and uh, nice. and criminal justice. It, Oh. <laughs> it was a very interesting episode. So, well, there's an episode of Babylon Five about that. Hmm. I I am very very undereducated in Babylon Five. I may have seen one episode. Oh my! But uh, that, that sounds like an interesting episode of Black Mirror, though. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Out. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, also, I was going to put in the show notes. There was a a recent article in the Guardian, I think it was, about inducing false memories in mice and oh. rodents. <laughs> and uh, just fascinating. And and, and I was wow. talking to you about, I think it was on maybe an episode of uh, The Guardian or The Skeptic's Guide, mm-hmm. where they were talking about how malleable memory is, where they'll like they'll take a mm-hmm. picture of somebody that they took at Disneyland, where they're standing there with Mickey Mouse, and they'll digitally put in Bugs Bunny, and then show them the picture and say, tell me about this day. And of course, Bugs Bunny is a Warner Brothers character, right. not, not not a Disney one. And they will go on and on about how they met Bugs Bunny that day. Well, just because they were given that cue with right. with the picture, so I just don't get that. I would I look at that and say, "Bugs Bunny wasn't at Disneyland." You have to put something more contextual, but also false. Yeah, right. I, and it, it, of course, wouldn't work on everyone. Yeah, uh, Jedi mind trick works on <laughs> the weak minded uh, right. are, are are easily uh, manipulated. I'm part Tordarian. Yeah. <laughs> mind the tricks that don't work on us because we're offensive. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think we're about wrapped. I think we should rank. Okay, uh, I'll go uh, first. You go first. Um, I have a hard time. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the with the Arnold film, just because it was the first thing I saw. I've got the nostalgia factor going. Um, it's right. incredibly awesome. Uh, I I do like the story quite a bit, I, and it's one of those ones that kind of I liked it more each time I read it because when we were talking about it initially, I hadn't recently read it and i was like yeah it's kind of silly and it is sort of silly in 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 the way that a lot of philip k dick stories are um it's silly in the way that science fiction was back then yeah yeah and so so i'm i'm gonna go 1990 film short story 2012 yep i'm gonna agree with you too i I was really struggling right because total recall the 1990 movie really doesn't adapt a lot of the yeah 
a lot of the short story. There's this little core essence. And so it's like, how do you compare the two? Yeah. Uh, I liked reading the short story. I read it several times. I'll probably read it again. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the 1990 movie. Uh, the 2012 movie is not bad, but it's not great. Yeah. It, it doesn't right. belong to be up there with the other two. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I've argued that the virtue of a less than faithful adaptation is that it leaves you that enjoyment of the original work and the movie mm-hmm. completely intact. You can, as long as you can hold intention that they're different and enjoy them for their own merits, to me, that's a, it's a win-win. I'm not sure I agree with you on principle, but I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> well, that's a surprise. <laughs> Let's mark that one on the calendar. <laughs> oh yeah, James. Um, so I'm going to go with this, probably the same route, but I'll explain it a little differently, I guess. Okay. And then if Tim listens like this, he'll like it because I felt the same way he did about the short story at first. I was, I was getting a hard time getting into it because yeah, it was kind of slow in the beginning. And my problem was I, I was expecting the same beginning. I knew they were going to go to total recall or recall and they were going to do the memory manipulation. And I was like, oh, I'm tired of reading about this story already because mm-hmm. of course I knew the 1990s film that's been in my brain since 90 because I've seen it since then like yeah. a dozen times. Um, and I had just watched the, uh, 2012 remake on, mm-hmm. the, on the way over here. And, and so reading the story, I had a hard time getting into the beginning until they actually start getting into the differences. And I yeah. was like, Oh, I really like this story. Yeah. Um, uh, so you saying, you're saying there was too much lovey dovey fliff fluff at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a term you used for a minority report. Cause that one just started right in. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to have to go with the nineties, 90 movie short story. Movie. Okay. Yeah. We are we are unanimous. Wow. I don't think I said unanimous correctly. I missed a syllable in there somewhere. Unanimous. Magnanimous. It's like squamish. (laughs) Right. What are Um, we gonna do next? Well, next on the agenda is to cover rollerball. Um I'm also putting together a supercut of kind of highlights from the last year, and and I'll put that out sometime during April. In all likelihood. So we'll have several things posted in April. We've been saying that we do this once a month, and yet for <laughs> <laughs> we have several out already this year. Yes. Because um, we did two in January. Uh, um, yeah. So we're just on top of our game. Boom. Yeah. We can blame it on the new mics. So, and if anything else, you know, comes out between here and there, I mean, I wouldn't want to warn anybody about it. No. Right. Okay. Okay. Wrapped. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, like I mentioned, we will be covering Rollerball, which is based on a story called Rollerball Murder or Rollerball, depending on which edition of it you get. <laughs> it's kind of hard to find. So, um, maybe we'll put a link to that where, where that EPUB was. PDF. PDF. Yeah. Which PDF, may or may yeah. not be complete. Yeah. Um, I actually yeah. ordered an anthology, um, from library, interlibrary loan so that we can get one that we know is in print and that's what we'll be talking about next time and that was recommended by michael simshauser from twitter so thank you michael for the recommendation and we will be getting to it in due course um usually if you suggest a topic to us it it will take a few months for us to get to we also have uh the stepford wives in the queue yes yeah we had two different people ask for that yes including someone married to one of us (laughs) but we got reinforcement from from another list that we got from another Person in the Twitterverse, I believe. Make me wait even longer to watch Starship Troopers again. Yes. <laughs> and we, think about how long we kicked Day of the Triffids down the road. I know. We kicked Total Recall down the road. We're still kicking uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers down yeah, the road. Right. So. And War of the Worlds. And War of the Worlds, yeah. And at one point, we had slated to do the Venturian Candidate, and mm-hmm. I bought the EPUB and read it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. This is the problem of uh, taking taking suggestions, right? Because we feel like we need to follow up on it, at least most of them. See, we so. appreciate you fans. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. Well, and there is one unalterable event, right? In November, we are going to do The Martian. Yes, definitely. True. Yeah. Okay. So anyhow, until next time, everybody, thank you for listening. And we leave you with a pavement pounder's blessing. May the road rise up to meet you and may your memory cap never pop prematurely, which sounds a little dirty. That's what she said. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everybody. And we're back finally following up. What? I almost said I'm calling. More espresso. Seriously. Y'all got to cut James a little bit of slack. He just got back from Poland. It was mostly because right. I was just looking at you, too. I'm like, oh, Colin, hey. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So. There's another and something like that. And right. she, she was, was gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I haven't watched Heat on too many years. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. a real sweat drop anyway, right? They, they put a drop of water on the poor guy. They, that's why they didn't show the top of his head in the shot. <laughs> See, if I was an actor, I, I'm gifted my production of sweat. I could, I could do that. I could make that you happen. You can sweat on command. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.